Starting a new farming venture requires careful planning. Last week, we shared eight steps before drafting your business plan. And this time around, we take a deeper look at production planning. We head to Citrusdal for Minister Tokodidiza's engagement with agricultural workers in the Western Cape. The focus is on opportunities for children or farm workers. Following a sharp increase in input cost, farmers face more pressure from an expected rise in fuel prices next month. Davi Marie from FNB Agribusiness unpacks how this will impact new farmers especially. Part-time cattle farmer Chris Hess ensures that his animals stay in good condition all year round by adding Furmal products to their feed. We also chat to Dr. Francha van der Feyfer about tips on how to get the most out of animal nutrition products. Our Agripreneur 101 segment features Andile Sasanti, a non-dairy yogurt maker. He wants to break down the stigma around traditional herbs and herbalists. And on top of our reading list this week is a book titled Dirt to Soil, Our Family's Journey into Regenerative Agriculture by Gabe Brown. And our Farmer Tip of the Week comes from Dr. Didi Klaassen from AfriVet. This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi. And welcome to episode 98 of Food for Mzanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Mzanzi. And joining me is my co-host Duncan Masiwa. Hey Dawn, it's election week in South Africa and as usual, our show is jam-packed. But let's kick off the show by handing over the mic to our colleague Nicole Ludov. Now she deep dives into production planning and chats to a certified business advisor, Willem van Jarsveld, about the aspects every new farmer should know. Nicole, over to you. Thank you so much, Dawn and Duncan. Willem, what is the most important thing that aspiring farmers need to remember about planning their production? The best advice I can give to an aspiring farmer that must go to the task of production planning is the following. Plan for something you know how to produce. Something that has a secure market and is adapted for the climate conditions in your area. Three things to remember. Something you know, secure market, adapted for conditions, climate conditions in your area. In which circumstances would you recommend that a farmer hire their machinery instead of buying it or vice versa? It is always a question that must be posed, even to yourself. And when we talk about startups, at the beginning of any startup, whether it's another business or farming, your capital is precious. And usually it is scarce. It is actually always scarce. So why and what is the advantage of higher or renting above ownership? For one, you don't need to employ so much capital to get the productive use of the equipment. For that reason, it is safer as far as own capital or even capital that you bring into your business from outside on a loan. It's safer to employ them in a rent or hire situation. The other thing is, just make sure when you hire a contractor to do work for you, that it is a trustworthy contractor 
And when it is a trustworthy contractor, usually you get for the price of the equipment also knowledge of a well-trained operator coming with the machine or machines. Willem, do you know of any resources that you could recommend to farmers to consult while they plan? Yeah, uh, they say we live in a period of time where knowledge is expanding and exploding. And we all know about Professor Google, and you can ask him any question and he will answer it for you. Coming to resources for your planning process, I think the most important is don't try to learn in the planning process. Rather, learn and relearn and learn again before you start the planning process. Otherwise, you will plan and replan without a proper base for planning. And knowledge is the foundation on which you build your planning process. So, there is nowadays so many of our specialized commodity organizations that is more than willing to help a new farmer with the tricks of the trade. So there's no reason if you are really interested in learning that won't get the help from somewhere. Whether it's Google, whether it's commodity organizations, or even, I think still, the best learning material is the vast experience and knowledge from farmers in the region where you want to farm. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you, Willem van Jaarsveld. Now, for more on this, please visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za. Next up, we share highlights from Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development Minister Toki Didiza's visit this week to the Western Cape, where she engaged with agricultural workers in the Sierraberg municipality. Now, there she emphasized that children are farm workers must enter the sector by choice and not by circumstance. South Africa, like all other countries in the world, annually celebrates two most important events that relate to the agricultural sector. On the 15th of October, each year, we celebrate the International Day for Rural Women, which was actually highlighted by the United Nations as the day that we must all celebrate and actually honor those who work in rural communities. This was a deliberate decision by the United Nations because of the role that rural women play in strengthening rural communities, who in the main actually rely on agriculture for their survival. A majority of these women are workers in rural industries such as agriculture and agribusinesses. It is the majority of those women who actually are the producers of all the agricultural commodities that we eat, that we export. It is because of their sweat and labor that we actually recognize the contribution of our sector. And I would like to actually acknowledge the role that these women farm workers, but also farm workers in general, have played when our country actually experienced our first wave of COVID-19 and going forward. We'll recall that agriculture was one of those industries that was actually allowed to continue to work at the height of the pandemic. 
So these women and men braved their lives and the lives of their families and actually ensured that South Africans and communities in the Southern African region are able to have food and fiber. We know this is a start, but not the end. The other matter we deliberated upon as a department, which we feel is important, is looking at how we can support you in terms of capacity building, yourselves, but also the children, to look at a possibility of a bursary scheme working with the Department of Education so that we can support farm workers' children to be able to actually study further and be what they would like to be. We will never be able to break the cycle of poverty unless we invest in education. That is why for us, among the team of the department, we also have got officials who are in the Directorate of Education and Training. That's how our support become, become holistic and be able to address the needs of you going forward. I say this as a grandchild of a farm worker. My great mother, who gave birth to my mother, used to work in the farms in Amersfoort. And when they finally decided to go back to Swaziland, their home country, and had their small holding, she used to tell us that I made sure that all go to school so that they can never be like me and my husband and work in the farms again. Secondly, she said, go to school so that they cannot ask for an underwear from their men. What that said to me, had a vision about the need for empowerment of women and girl children. Thanks for joining us, Minister Tokudidiza. We now change gears from the plight of agricultural workers to the rising costs for farmers in Mzanzi. Following a sharp increase in input costs, farmers face more pressure from an expected rise in fuel prices next month. Davi Maria, the head of information and marketing at FNB Agribusiness, unpacks how this will impact new farmers especially. Although it's still a long way to month in, early indications are that South Africa faces a massive increase in fuel prices coming November. The mid-month numbers from the Central Energy Fund show a under-recovery of nearly 1 rand on petrol and as much as 1 rand 40 on diesel. This points to record fuel prices for November, given that the international crude oil price has risen above $85 per barrel due to tightened supply in the Northern Hemisphere and as we enter the Northern Hemisphere winter season as well. During the first half of October, there was also a depreciation in the exchange rate, which also resulted in higher prices in terms of fuel prices. This comes at the unfortunate stage for our agricultural sector as we head into the summer planting season and we are at the back end of the winter harvesting season. Given the increase in international oil prices, we can also expect an increase in other input costs and especially fertilizer and herbicides and pesticides, which is a derivative of the brand crude oil prices. Unfortunately, fuel is a non-discretionary uh, cost for a farmer as it is to the consumer as well. So unfortunately, we will definitely experience some margin squeezes on farmers 
as we head into the new production season. Thanks for joining us, Davi Marie, Head of Information and Marketing at F&B Business. We now change gears from input costs to animal nutrition with Furmol Feeds. Part-time cattle farmer Chris Hess ensures his animal stays in good condition all year round by adding Furmol products to their feed. Plus, Dr. Francho van der Feifer, National Technical Manager at Furmol Feeds, shares tips on how to use Furmol's licks or blocks to concentrate or complete feeds and more about feedlotting of cattle. Dr. Van Pfeiffer, Chris Hess grew up loving animals. He farms with cattle part-time and makes sure that his animals stay in good condition all year round by adding food more products to their feed. Now, this farmer, Chris Hess, refers to himself as a hobby farmer as he has full-time employment in the agricultural sector, but he loves farming with cattle in addition to his day job. There are many farmers like Chris. So how can Furmo help farmers like this to get the most out of their cattle within a limited time they have available to attend to their farm, Dr. Van Pfeiffer? Yes, definitely. There's many part-time farmers. And I think Furmo has a range of products available from ranging from licks or blocks to concentrates or complete feeds specifically to meet the needs of any type of farmer. So the primary focus of Furmol is always on delivering the best quality feed for the purposes it's required for. And then secondary to this, but maybe just as important, is the ease of use of the Furmol products. All our products are bagged feed and has clear indications printed on the bag of how to best use it on the farm. Now with concentrates, this is obviously very important as the farmer needs to know exactly how to mix and to feed the product on his farm. Another good example is the Furmol range of feed blocks that is really very easy to use. The block range covers the normal summer, winter and production leg stages on the farm and also has some unique applications for sheep, cattle and even for game. Now, Chris Hess uses Furmol's SP100 extensively on his farm. Francho, could you explain why SP100 is so popular to farmers in similar conditions as Chris? Furmol SP100 is one of Furmol's oldest and most successful concentrates for the fattening of cattle. It has been in existence since 1973 when it was first registered and has seen many upgrades through the years to keep the product right up there in terms of research and development. It might be an old product, but it uses all the modern technologies such as the inclusion of feed additives to improve the performance of animals and it has nutrient specifications which are regularly updated according to new research on animal requirements. So conservatively speaking, anywhere between 50 and 50,000 head of cattle is produced every month using this concentrate, this SP100. So it can be used in one of two main applications, either for the smaller scale farmer or for the larger, let's call them more commercial feedlots where the feedlot itself forms a major enterprise of a farm. So in the first application, and typically for farmers like Chris that farms on a part-time basis, SP100 really works magic. The ease of use of this product is what makes it so successful. Why we say this is the farmer can simply mix SP100 along with whole maize or what we refer to as the formal system. It can be whole maize or even maize meal. And they simply mix 20% or 200 kilograms of SP100 and 80% or 800 kilograms of maize meal or whole maize or even chop. And they then feed this along with roughage, but the roughage or the highest put aside, put separately to this. And 
it's so simple. They simply mix it in the feeding trough and then put the hay on the side. So it is really easy to use. And the benefit of this is that the farmer can decide according to the economic conditions whether it's a good idea to finish his winter calves himself or to rather sell them as winners to one of the larger feedlots. Because remember now, in a case like this, he doesn't need expensive mixing facilities or even a costly feedlot itself. Francois, you mentioned that SP100 can also be used by larger commercial feedlots. How is this product used in such cases? Yes, indeed, this is the biggest application of SP100. Through research, we know that phase feeding has particular benefits in a feedlot and results in better or optimal feedlot performance, as well as higher dressing percentages. So for the starter phase, SP100 is fed in combination of high-quality natural protein to meet the demands of a younger or the lighter calf. Then we move over to the grower stage or the second phase, when the natural protein component as well as the roughage of the hay is reduced slightly to reduce the cost of feeding while we are still meeting the requirements of this rapidly growing calf. Then the last 30 days is the finishing phase where the calf is fed a high energy component in the totally mixed ration to ensure that the accretion of fat and therefore the best carcass possible is gained. So this finishing phase can also be customized to use Zomax by adding Formol Zomol um, to the ration and thereby further increasing the dressing weight of a calf and hence the profitability of a feedlot. So the mixing instructions for each of the phases is unique and the guidelines for these can be found in the Formol app which, we can, which can be downloaded to any device. And where farmers have unique raw materials, the Fumal technical team can assist with a specific feeding recommendation that's tailor-made for that particular client. Well, that's really interesting. And I know that the products that you guys have are super versatile and easy to use. So even if you're not an active full-time farmer, you can kind of rely on this product to ensure that you get the best out of it and that your produce is successful and that you have cattle and livestock that is able to perform as they should. Now, if clients want to find out more about feedlotting of cattle, how can they proceed? What is the way that they should go about it? There's different options that they can use and they can visit our website or they can phone any one of our formal agents or the technical personnel um, and we will give them assistance or they can download the formal app. And the formal app is very handy in that it has all our product information but also a lot of other useful applications such as the calculation of gross profit calculator for a feedlot. Thank you so much for joining us once again, Dr. Francois van der Voogd, the National Technical Manager at Foodmore Feeds. It's always great having you with us here on Farmers Inside Track and everything of the best for the work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Dawn. Foodmore produces superior quality molasses-based supplements for ruminants. These products include maintenance, mineral transition, production and energy licks, feedlot concentrates and liquid feeds. For expert advice on animal nutrition for optimal production and profit, contact Food Mole Feeds on 032-439-5599 or info at foodmole.co.za. Next up, our Agripreneur 101 segment features Andile Sasanti, a non-dairy yogurt maker. Now he wants to break down the stigma around traditional herbs and herbalists through his business, Well and Well Yogurt. 
Andiles, can you tell us a bit about how you started your Well and Well Yogurt business? I am an entrepreneur. I started my entrepreneurial journey in 2012, but started the specific business that I'm in in 2018. I'm from the East Rand, Katlehong, and I had moved to Soweto in 2017. But I was born in Soweto, bred in the East Rand. I'm currently at Soweto, Orlando East. So I actually started the product in 2018, but in formerly 2017. I used to serve my late mom, who was a chronic patient. I used to serve her with vegetable smoothies to actually remedy her condition. You know, when you're unemployed, you have enough time to visit the library, so I did that. And then there were webinars that took place online. I used to attend webinars that were hosted by Jomo Kenyatta University of Technology and Agriculture in Kenya. So there were webinars on fermented products that were conducted by lead researchers. So with the fermented products that were taking place there, it was your yogurt, your kombucha, your kimchi, fermented products in general. So I decided to go with yogurt because I had found much more resonance and yogurt is much more common. So I decided to experiment myself at home up until I got it right. When I got it right, it was just your normal yogurt, but I decided to now incorporate the vegetables that I used to do preparing vegetable smoothies for my late mom. So I incorporated those vegetables into the new yogurt discovery. That's when the yogurt discovery started. Very personal to me also in 2017, I was diagnosed with hypertension. Oh, you know, when you are diagnosed with hypertension, you are told that you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. So I also had to do some sort of self-introspection. I needed to now start changing the way I eat, changing the way I do things. Because you are a gas in the township, you don't necessarily have financial means to buy healthy food. You are actually financially disadvantaged. So what I did is that I managed to just reduce some of the stuff that I consume. That's what's even happening right now uh, where I am. To say I don't necessarily buy healthy food or uh, no, it's just to reduce foods that you feel have all these nasty fats, nasty ingredients and nasty ingredients that would contribute. So my late mom passed in 2018. And when she passed, unfortunately, we now had to bury. And then we, after the ceremony in the Eastern Cape, that's when I decided to come back. And then I decided not to take the product to market. But not only it was derived from the fact that I was used to serving the product and improving a condition, but also means of surviving and trying to have an income. Because Mina, I'm not one of these entrepreneurs that always have this same story. I started selling sweets at school. I started at when I was five. No, 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 I did not start there. So it's something that I learned as I finished school. So uh, that's how my entrepreneurial journey started. So when that took place, that's when I started pushing the products door to door. And then I had moved from the East Rand to Soweto. That's where we also continued the product uh, door to door, taxi ranks, Jobex CBD, Bara, so you name it. That's where we, we, we were pushing. What's the most important thing for aspiring agripreneurs to know before they embark on a non-dairy yogurt or any new agribusiness? I see the business being a household brand. I see the business helping solve South Africa's health crisis. I see the product contributing to the township economy, to the South Africa's GDP. I see the product improving and increasing its production units 
to at least allow for export to the continent. I see a strong collaboration with indigenous herbalists that we are currently bringing on board, but increasing the number of them coming on board because we've partnered with indigenous herbalists to guide us in terms of herbs that we also need to use to incorporate on our product. So this by far, we are the first by far with this type of innovation. So what you've done is that we've seen that a lot of people are using indigenous herbs, but they're using them privately or in the corners. So even the indigenous herbalists associated with negativity, all the stigma that they're dirty, there's witchcraft. No, no, no. We are saying that we're going to put them in the mainstream. We're going to hold their hands and we will allow them to guide us publicly. And we're going to make that fashionable. We're going to make these herbs fashionable. We're going to make these so-called dirty herbs, according to society, fashionable because these are herbs that have been used in centuries. So now that's where uh, we are headed to say collaboration with industries that have been around for centuries because we are more than a new brand. So why should we now cut off our roots, whereas we want to grow? It doesn't work like that. So we need to connect to our roots so that we can just move forward. So that's where we see the brand. The tips that I have for uh, people who would like to follow the journey, I would say curiosity. Curiosity for me worked wonders because whenever you are curious, you have this thing of looking for information. You have this thing of wanting to know how things work, how things are, why are things like this. So you're busy questioning yourself instead of accepting things the way they are. So even if you are in an unemployed state, you're curious to say, why is the state so high? You get to understand what's the problem. Now it brings you closer to what could be the solution. So curiosity goes a long way because in a way it opens a room, a mind of possibilities without you being aware. So for me, curiosity would top that. Uh, secondly, I would say perseverance because perseverance for me worked wonders because even now I'm still persevering because I've not reached where I'm going. It's not to say that when you start having interviews or when you start going wherever, there's a difference between a destination and a journey. So for us, this is a journey. It's not a destination because once we think it's a destination, we would have this arrogance that we've arrived. So no, we're still headed where we are headed. So I would say perseverance because with persevering, even though things are not happening according to you or your standards or your wishes or your prayers or mpatlo but you persevere for things to now happen. In Zulu or Kasisleng, we say, ama chips ayaz fryer. So you need to persevere up until ama chips as fryer or up until things happen. So perseverance goes a long way. That for me would be um, reading. Reading. Reading helps a lot because with me, I would say that reading has had an impact because first of all, you need to understand you cannot persevere just because you need to persevere. This is a lonely journey. And being it a lonely journey, there's society that lives a normal life and you are outside that normal societal life or status. So you need to align yourself with people that have been there, people that understand what you are going through without them being there telling you that, but now through them telling you their stories, through their books. So when you buy a book, you're not necessarily just paying for a piece of paper, papers that are just rolled into one. No, you are paying for a shortcut, basically, because if something was going to take me 10 years to get there now, I've avoided the 10 years by just paying a mere 100 rand or 200 rand or even the second-hand books in Jobek because I buy my books both formal and informal markets. Nothing to lose because the information is key. The content is key. So books for me goes a long way because they actually shape you. They guide you. They even elevate you. They bringing you a different perspective, a much more creative mind. 
and a much more interesting and unique way of looking at things. So for me, that would also uh, go a long way. Fourthly would be execution. I am an action man. I take action. So executing is important because if you don't execute, you will forever plan, 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 plan. It's time to execute to start planning again for something new. So action is important because action allows you to know where were the flaws, where the highs to say now, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to avoid. So executing because we believe as entrepreneurs learn from our experiences. We learn from things that have taken place. If, for example, I have started a business and then the business has failed dismally. Now I would know what I need to fix because I've started. But now if I wanted to start a business and telling people that I want to own a business, I want to own it. I want its headquarters to look like this building over there. But now, how would I know that? Because I'm longing looking at it one side, the glamorous side of things. So I'm short-sighted. I'm thinking near and having a little routine. I don't know how that would happen when I cross the robot. So I need to take action. So for me, taking action or executing is a very important. It's an important one because you can do anything. But if you don't execute, then you're still running in circles. And you won't chill with us in our circles because we take action. But the fact that you are just running in circles but not really dealing with a matter at hand. My last would be uniqueness, different. Yeah, you know, when you're different, you sort of like stand out from the rest, even though you're not too different, but just being different. Because, for example, in my sector, I produce yogurts, I manufacture yogurts, but it's not to say that I'm the only guy who manufactures yogurts. No, yogurts have been there for centuries, more than 50,000 years in Middle East, there were yogurts or fermented products. So we have just came with just a unique way. Not to say that we are also unique in South Africa. No, they are competitors of mine in Limpopo, in Soweto, Naledi, in Cape Town, in Renbeck. They are competitors. They are even farmers that are doing plant-based and dairy. So I know them, but I cannot mention their names. But these are people that are also doing yogurts. And these are people that are doing vegetables, even worse. So they are also doing vegetables, but I also need to be different because we are a pool of entrepreneurs or dairy producers that are doing yogurts with vegetables. But why should Well and Well stand out? Why should this brand stand out? Once you identify the uniqueness or the difference that you have, even if you feel that you are the same, but try and research more to say, how can you at least maybe, if it means uh, going an extra mile for you to stand out, I Benjalo just go an extra mile but for me the uniqueness and being different it's it's important uniqueness is also in fact difference is also part form part of our values because we have four values one is innovative two it's different three it's exclusive and four is simple so we are simple we are exclusive we are innovative and we're different so those are our four values these traditional values of vision transparency honest yeah they are right but why do we need to follow that culture so we decided to be different so that's how different even from our values to the traditional values of brands to say now we need to establish new different values, not these seven values or 10 values that are traditional. No, no, no. Different. So that's how we are. We stand for that. Thanks, Duncan. And Andile Sasanti, a non-dairy yogurt maker and founder of Well and Well Yogurt. Now for our book of the week as chosen by farmers, Dirt to Soil. One Family's Journey into Regenerative Agriculture by Gay Brown. The author describes his journey from starting regenerative farming to becoming a world-renowned expert on the topic with a profitable mixed farming enterprise. Caroline Sampson, Head of Strategy and Sustainability at Access Bank, reviewed this book for us. Whenever the term regenerative agriculture is used, the name Gay Brown is soon mentioned. 
a farmer in North Dakota, Cape joined the regenerative agriculture movement at the end of the 1990s, after four consecutive years of crop failure due to weather disasters. Part of his motivation stemmed purely from economics, as he had to turn profitable with the lowest possible input costs. In the first part of Dirty Swell, one family's journey into regenerative agriculture, Cape describes his journey from new farmer to a world-renowned expert on the topic, with a profitable mixed farming enterprise. Gabe then unpacks the principles of regenerative farming and describes how he implemented each one. The principles that he covers include the need for limited soil disturbance, keeping the soil covered at all times, cultivating diversity, maintaining living root systems and integrating animals into the operation. He is not scared to acknowledge failures and never prescriptive, telling farmers to experiment and test what works in their own environment. The principles can be applied at any scale and even my garden will be an experiment this summer. Highly recommend this for any farmer who is interested in the topic and looking for practical ideas to implement. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for CO.ZA or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Sounds like a must-read, especially those people who want to go into regenerative agriculture. Remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion, feel free to email info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Now, before we let you go, we share our Farmer Tip of the Week from Dr. Didi Klaassen, AfriVet's Executive for Technical and Marketing Support, about dealing with pests and diseases. Look at the animal from the front to the back. You collect information and that's how we can distinguish between different diseases. So whenever you look at an animal, you try to identify anything. We start with temperature. We look face of the animal. Is there anything coming out of the nose? Is the eyes alert? Or do they look dull? We look at the ears. Are they drooping? Are they bright? We look if anything is coming out of the mouth and then you move towards the back of the animal. And once you've collected all this information, then you can discuss it with a veterinarian. Thanks so much once again for joining us, Dr. Didi Klaassen, with that Sound advice around dealing with pests and diseases. It's a need to know for any new farmer and any farmer in the industry. And that brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Now for more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to also check out all of our Farm Spaces session on YouTube. It's amazing information and the need-to-know advice from farmers to farmers. So thanks so much and have a great week. That's right, Dawn. And remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members, and fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and of course also on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludov, Caroline Sampson, and our producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of Team Foodform Zanzi, have a great week. Corteva is in it for farmers. For good.
As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind. With 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with the best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers, and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.